Brock Purdy trying to be part of a select few historic quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl in their second season as starting quarterback. And what are the tendencies for the 49ers in the Chiefs going into this one? All that more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock at Crocky 209. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Love all the everydayers out there. Make sure you are one. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notification, the thumbs up. Appreciate all that. And of course, you can find us everywhere you find your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs is the place to find qualified candidates that you want to talk to and faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right. Speaking of the everydayers out there, shout out to an everydayer that I met over the weekend. I was uh, with some friends out of town having a birthday party. Uh, There was a, a mutual friend also having a birthday and shout out to Casey listens to the podcast and she dropped a trivia question on me, Croc. And I want to see if you can pull the names of the second year quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls as a starter. And there's Brock Purdy is the seventh second year starting quarterback to start a Super Bowl. And four of those before him, Brock Purdy is trying to become the fifth to win it in only his second year. Can you name the other quarterbacks that have accomplished this feat, Croc? Uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Boom. There we go. There's one. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Second year. Oh man. I might just be stuck at Ben Roethlisberger. I can start dropping some hints. Um, one of these guys is compared often to Brock Purdy. Mm, Tom Brady. Oh, in fact, two of them are often compared to Brock Purdy, and both Kurt of them Warner. happened in about yeah about the same time period. Yep. So we got Warner, we got Brady, we got Roethlisberger. And Interesting thing, real quick. Yeah. I mean, you can say Big Ben too, but he was drafted really high. But Warner and Brady both took over in the in the previous season, or I want to say greatest show on turf. Maybe it was that year, but they took over for a guy that got hurt. Mm-hmm. Like it was Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe got just destroyed, and that was how Tom Brady ended up coming in. And Trent Green, uh, he tore his ACL, I believe it was back then, and he was supposed to be the starter for the Rams. He got hurt in like preseason, and Kurt Warner took over for him. So not even guys that were like expected to come in and be the guy. One of the answers is not Patrick Mahomes, by the way. It was his second season as the starter, but he didn't start that first year. Uh, it was his first year in the NFL, so he became a starter in his second year, and it was that third year when the Chiefs beat the 49ers and Mahomes had uh, uh, had his Super Bowl run there. And the other one is Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, was that was 2013, really? so... Yeah, yep. wow. Uh, Dan Marino got there in '84 in his second season. Dan Marino never won one either, so that also can show you how you could be a superstar quarterback, get there early in your career, still never win a Super Bowl. So Marino in '84 got there. Warner '99 won it. Tom Brady 2001 won it. 
Ben Roethlisberger in 2005 won it. Colin Kaepernick got there in 2012, did not win it. So Kaepernick and Marino were the ones that didn't. And then Russell Wilson, 2013, got there and won with the Seattle Seahawks. Brock Purdy now uh, in the 2023 season gets to the Super Bowl in his second year and has a chance to become the fifth to win it. You know, Peacock, I want to say something about Brock Purdy. Something that's okay. kind of been on my mind a little bit. I think as a San Francisco 49er fan base, we we got to stop. And, you know, we try to take off our fandom cap. But this is my plea to the to the faithful. Stop paying attention to anything that anybody outside the 49ers organization that has to say about Brock Purdy. You're never, you're never going to win that battle. Like, just appreciate what he is for your team. Um, he's been awesome. He's been he's been great, and just appreciate the greatness that you've been able to visualize with your own eyes. And it doesn't matter what anyone else says. All that matters is everyone in the locker room loves him. They appreciate him. They go to war with him and for him. And he wins a lot of games. And in his second year, well, first year, you went to the conference title with him. The next year, you're in the Super Bowl with him. So uh, who cares what? Cam Newton or uh, Ryan Clark or anyone else in the media has to say. We, we can't be that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, defensive of him. Yeah. He doesn't need to be defensive. He's, he's, what he's doing defends itself. He's playing at an extremely high level. So just appreciate that. And I think people will stop getting so bothered uh, anytime somebody says something because that's what I see every time I get on social media uh, at Crocky 209 every time I open up the X app it's people complaining about what someone else said like who cares <laughs> he's balling all right just let's just have fun with that no doubt and and especially someone that you can tell doesn't watch him has maybe started to watch him a little bit and is going by what his reputation is and his uh draftism is one of the terms Ross Tucker uh, I heard him say he uses about, you know, not wanting to believe in the late round quarterback and you got to be a Warner, you got to be a Brady where you prove it again and again and again and again before people will start to believe in who you are. So, um, yeah, and look, it's all noise. And if you're not going to listen to that person on the day to day anyway, then why would you care what they have to say about Brock Purdy? Right. And, and most 49ers fans have watched a lot more Brock Purdy than anybody that's doing national coverage and yapping about it and flip flopping about how they think about him. Because you think about what um, and I'll just use and I, I like Ryan Clark, you know, enough. He, you know, I, I don't dislike his uh, his analysis, usually former player. And he's a smart guy. But in that role on those national shows, you have to come hot and you have to, you know, and especially the debate shows. You have to you just you pick a side. You think it's, it's a little ironic that every single day the two hosts on those shows have the opposite opinion. Isn't that a little bit weird, a little bit curious there? Uh, you might even think that they don't actually have that opinion. It's just entertainment, right? And so that's what a lot of it is, too, when, when you get to the Stephen A's and the Skip Baylesses and all these guys, and, um, and they're entertaining and, and whatever. But that's why I don't really go to the national coverage. I love going to um, local coverage. The, the, the folks like Locked On that have – someone who really knows what they're talking about, about a certain subject, guys that grind the tape that maybe don't have a national show, but you can find those guys everywhere. I, I love going to the analysts that really dig into the stuff. And I, I don't care how much you played. I don't care how big the network is behind you. I don't care what your name is. If you are good at breaking it down and you're working hard at it and, and you're grinding it, you can usually tell right away who those people are. And uh, unfortunately some of the people with the loudest voices are not the ones that do that. And it doesn't matter anyway, because you know what Brock Purdy is 
enjoy Brock Purdy for the run. Like this is the, the when he completed his first pass as Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, he had already done something that nobody else had done that was drafted that late. And right now he's in the Super Bowl in his second season, went to the NFC Championship game in his first season and has played some of the best quarterback we've seen, not only for the 49ers, but in the league over the course of uh, the Kyle Shanahan tenure in San Francisco. So absolutely, Croc, I'm with you on that. Don't pay attention to the noise. You know when it's a trash take, just leave it there and, and don't even go there. Don't even go looking for it. Because you know, and you should be confident in your own guy, you know who your own guy is. And I know the 49ers locker room absolutely feels it. And I, every time I hear someone from the 49ers speak about their quarterback, they are so all in this guy and they trust him. And, and that's really all that matters. I think the 49ers fan, uh, players, they kind of poke fun at people that say those things. Yeah. 49ers fan base, the faithful, is almost like an insecurity that they have. Yeah, they want to they want to go defend it. And it's just like, no, it, it's let it happen. And then laugh when he's holding up the, the trophy at the end of the game, right? When he's on the podium. And that's what everybody said mattered most, right? It's like, you know, once it was clear, like, okay, he's likely not going to win NFL MVP. I saw everybody say, who cares about that? As long as he's hosting the Lombardi trophy. Okay, let's let's stick with that then. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you'll be a lot happier if you start stop worrying about what people are saying on the outside. I love what uh, Kyle Juszczyk had a nice subtle troll to certain folks, too, because uh, there was a highlight package from the NFC Championship game of Brock Purdy. And Kyle Juszczyk quote tweeted it. And, and his comment to it was, I can't believe I can't believe Brock managed to get me those. I can't I can't believe he managed to get me that ball or something like that about his highlight play. I was like, I, was like, I see what you're doing there. And, and I like it. So, uh, yeah, the 49ers players are laughing at it. And they're having fun. 49ers players are more behind him than the than the fans in a lot of ways. They they fully 100% believe in their guy. Kyle Shanahan fully 100% believes in their guy. And you can tell by the way he's coaching games in the playoffs too. They also believe fully in Jimmy Garoppolo, so I don't know. But but yeah, they are they are going to bat for for their guy. <laughs> uh next, let's talk 49ers Chiefs. We got some data about what coverages these teams run, what we can expect especially on the defensive side of the ball from the Chiefs and the 49ers as we start to really dig into a Super Bowl 58 and this Niners-Chiefs matchup next. Today's episode of Locked on 49ers is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? It's really not that different from what teams that are no longer in the playoffs are asking themselves. Seattle Seahawks, we'll get to that later. They decide to hire themselves a new head coach. You can't find head coaches on LinkedIn jobs, although some of them probably are and have profiles on LinkedIn jobs. We're talking about a billion people, a billion professionals with a B that are on LinkedIn already. LinkedIn jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and per, for, and for free. And when you're talking about a billion professionals, Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours at LinkedIn Jobs. That's why it's rated number one by small businesses. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Croc. Um, second part of my trivia for you on today's show is can you guess what coverages the 49ers run 
most often or have run most often over the course of the 2023 season? Quarters and man. So we've got, uh, and now it's gone away for me. Let me pull it up here. Um, the 49ers have run quarters coverage. Okay, here. So here, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do it two ways. So um, the first way is that the 49ers have run quarters coverage on average. Their percentage of quarters coverage is higher than most of the league. So they run quarters often. So you are absolutely right about that. But they still run cover three more often than any other coverage. But the rate that they co- they run cover three, Croc, is kind of middle of the road in the NFL. But almost every team in the league runs cover three more than any other coverage in the league. And a couple of teams no, why? Run 50% of the time. Why is that? Uh, I believe it allows you to have that eighth man in the box. Yeah. because there's a lot of- So I remember... Rex Ryan telling us cover three is really a run defense because one, you have all eyes kind of, you can look at the ball, like, and you have that extra man in the box Um, as opposed to let's say man, right? Like at man at the snap, if a guy is running vertically, like your man turning into him and, and going vertical with him, like that's two eyeballs off of, you know, depending on where you're at. I mean, that's a bunch of eyeballs, not looking at anything that's going on in the backfield. So man, Definitely not a run defense. Um, quarters, you have two guys a little bit closer, depending on the quarterback. If it's Patrick Mahomes, you probably want to be back, right? Josh Allen, you want to be back. But you can have guys, you have your two safeties lined up, you know, 10 to 12 yards back. But you still don't have that extra guy in the box. Now, you guys have you have guys that can react and get down and trigger, but then you got to hope it's not a play action, um, which they started running a lot of quarters to prevent the Kyle Shanahan specials with the uh, play action, deep crosser, and when they had a single high, there would be a huge void. Now you kind of have a guy that can catch him on the backside. So um, I think, yeah, cover three is a little bit more. We got eight guys kind of in the box, and, and, that, and that helps a little bit more versus run. So pretty multiple as far as the, the back end and what percentage the coverage coverages are used there between cover three and in quarters and some cover one as well. So uh, just under 35% cover three, which is, you know, kind of middle of the road for the NFL. Only two teams run cover or quarters coverage more often than the 49ers. The Niners are in that 23.5% of the time. So we're getting close to 70% there between cover three and cover four for the 49ers defense. Only the Cardinals, they had the most in the league, 30% uh, cover four or quarters coverage as it is known and uh, the New York Jets Robert Sala's group uh, 27.6% of the time and the commanders are right where the 49ers were as well with the third most uh, quarters coverage usage in the league going and, and uh, actually D'Amico Ryan's team was right there as well just just behind the 49ers with the quarters coverage not super surprising right uh, with the with the lineage there of D'Amico and obviously Steve, Steve Wilkes running what we call Kyle Shanahan's defense uh, and trying to do the same scheme that they've had with Sala and D'Amico Ryan's on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, 3.4% of the time, very low percentage of cover zero blitzes, and then cover six is also very low among the lowest in the league, 3.7%. And then uh, cover one, and cover one's 19%, middle of the road, cover two, 11.4%, which is kind of middle low as well. So um, there you go. Cover three, cover four. Those are the coverages the 49ers use most of the time. I'm a big fan of cover three. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of being multiple with how you utilize, especially your outside guys, uh, whether you line up sitting off, whether you have them lined up at the line of scrimmage and press bell out, stay on top of one, but still be able to read, you know, two to one. Uh, but again, like have that extra guy in the box, still have three guys over top. So I, I am a big fan of cover three. So the Kansas City Chiefs run a lot more man. They're in uh, cover one quite often, almost 25% of the time. Cover two, about 22% of the time. They're in cover three, very low percentage compared to the rest of the NFL, 13.8% of the time. Uh, cover zero, 12% of the time. So that's one of the big differences. Something that's kind of what I'm getting to here with Steve Spagnuolo and his defenses. Expect to see pressure looks. Expect to see the blitz and, and man coverage behind it coming from the the Kansas City Chiefs on Super Bowl Sunday and then quarters coverage lower uh kind of middle of the road there with uh, 15.5% uh of the time there in in quarters coverage there so uh very high cover zero from Steve Spagnolo and um brought a lot of pressure brought a lot of pressure against the um against the Ravens and let's see here so uh, here's one more note. And, and by the way, shout out to Cody Alexander. You can find him at the underscore coach underscore a on Twitter. Brings a lot of data here as far as coverages go. He's the coverage guru as far as Twitter is concerned. Uh, the Chiefs ran two six-man blitz packages against the Dolphins, then four against the Bills in the playoffs, and then doubled that, ran eight six-man blitz packages Versus, so that's bringing two extra rushers. Usually, you're rushing four, right? So they brought six man blitzes eight times against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So Steve Spagnuolo's group really got after the Ravens. Nearly half of uh, his dropbacks, Lamar Jackson was getting blitzed by Steve Spagnuolo and uh, in the Kansas City Chiefs defense, and and that's something they do already a lot. But it was even more last week against the Ravens. How do you beat the blitz, Cruck? And how do you defend against the blitz when you're the corner and you know they're sending six? So 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 here's the the tough thing with beating the blitz, right? Everybody kind of does it different. Kyle Shanahan, I, I do think he has some built-in hots to it. But if I remember correctly from a conversation listening to Steve Young, it, he, Kyle feels like in every play call, there's an answer to every coverage. So um, within his concept, I don't know if there's a whole lot of hots going on. So for, for those of you who don't know, um, hots, right? A lot of times it's to the guy that is to the side of the blitz. So if you have a nickel corner, let's say you have Juwan Jennings, right? He's in the slot. And there's a nickel corner and he's showing blitz and he comes. Juwan Jennings is supposed to adjust his route to the blitz. Now, I don't know if Kyle does that. It sounds like he still kind of has you do your thing, but there's someone else maybe that it goes from, oh, this is my first read to now this guy's my first read based on if they blitz. Now, I am novice in the knowledge of offense and, and those type of things, but I, I just remember kind of con a conversation with Steve Young, and he's like, he loves the offense because there's just all the answers, no matter what. Um, but typically, you throw into the blitz. That, that's how you, quarterbacks a lot of times are told. Uh, you have a blitz coming. There should be a hole. You hit that hole right now, which typically that turns into the hot for a guy. So um, that's just kind of like the base version of my defensive-minded knowledge of it. And if you're a corner and you know your team is sending six, do you like that? Do you dislike it? Because it might put you by yourself out there and you don't have help over the top, but you know the ball is going to come out quick. 
Well, well, that exactly that. You know the ball's going to come out quick. I, I know, again, uh, for the first time, we didn't run cover zero when I was in college. But when, you know, you get to the league and, you're, you know, you're trying to make this team and they teach you different things. And one of the things was, hey, when it's cover zero, sit off at five to six yards, squat, don't back out. The ball has to come out now. I just talked about hots, right, like where a guy has to adjust his route and the ball has to come out now. Typically, you're not throwing goal routes against cover zero unless your name is Patrick Mahomes and we saw at the end of the Baltimore Raven game, they sent the house and he said, okay, I'm just going to throw it out there and hopefully Valdez Scantlin runs underneath it. And he did. But typically the ball has to come out quick on an underneath route, a slant, uh, a hitch, um, you know, one of those type of things. All right, next, some notes on what the 49ers are doing on defense and why uh, it might be an advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs knowing where those 49ers defenders are going to be in most cases next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS at Prize Picks is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. You can win up to 25 times your money. Turn 10 bucks into 250 bucks at Prize Picks if you hit all six of your more than or less than on those Prize Picks stat projections. A ton of stat projections coming up for the Super Bowl, uh, NBA projections every night at Prize Picks as well. And Prize Picks is the only DFS uh, platform that gives you an insurance policy on injuries. If your player goes out in the first half uh, and doesn't come back in the second half, that player is rebooted at price picks and all you got to do is download the app or go to pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code all lowercase locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 that's pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl price picks daily fantasy sports made easy all right the there's probably some more terminology here that 49ers fans have gotten really used to the last few weeks. We saw it against the Green Bay Packers, saw against the D- Detroit Lions, the pin and pull, right? And the the simple uh, the simple way to describe the pin and pull is when you see that wide receiver come crack down on a defensive end to try to get the edge and they toss it out and you got a speedy back like Gibbs or Aaron Jones that catches the edge and then tries to make a big play in the running game. And the 49ers, again, shout out to uh, Cody Alexander, the coach A on Twitter. Uh, the 49ers saw trap. And pin and pull at one of the highest rates in the NFL this season. The Chiefs, though, don't run that as part of their base concepts in their run game offense. So that would benefit the 49ers to not see something that teams really try to attack them with. But this is the Super Bowl. And what is there before the Super Bowl? There's an entire extra week of time to prepare. So if the Chiefs see something that they think they can do against the 49ers, uh, the Niners got to be prepared to potentially see it. So on one hand, do the Chiefs want to run something stuff that they're more comfortable with that they've been working on all season long. Right. And a lot of times in the running game, it's all about, um, you know, having everything schemed up and guys knowing exactly where they are and all 11 guys working together, especially those guys up front, making those blocks together. Uh, It could be detrimental if you're trying to do something you're not good at and try to break it out uh, in such a huge game like this. And maybe you're not, you don't run it very well, but if the other team doesn't defend it as well. So that's interesting. Will the, will the chiefs, try to show those looks that they don't really use during the year against the 49ers, knowing that they're susceptible to it, knowing the other teams have had luck, especially if you watched the last two games, which no doubt Andy Reid and the, the chiefs coaching staff will be. So that's an interesting one to me is can the 49ers stop the run first of all, and can they stop the run early in the game without having to go into halftime and pump themselves up? And as 
Joe, as uh, Nick Bosa put it after the game, one person not being gap sound and screwing up the whole play for everybody else. I don't know if he meant that one person was one guy the entire game or each play was one different guy or if someone got thrown under the bus there a little bit. Um, but uh, they've got to clean that up. And if there's someone that's continually screwing up, he shouldn't be in the game. And one of the things, Croc, I could see the 49ers doing, and I was kind of going to save this for keys to victory, but what about Eric Armstead repri- reprising his role as a defensive end? If let's say that, and a lot of people are pointing at Chase Young as being that guy, and maybe some effort where Chase Young uh, wasn't wasn't running down uh, Jameson Williams on the the big run in the first quarter of that game, or or whatever it is. Javon Kinlaw had a really nice game. You got Javon Hargrave in the middle. What about Eric Armstead? At least on base downs, playing more of a, a big defensive end for the 49ers in the Super Bowl. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if maybe they kind of made that kind of adjustment. Uh, you know, we talked about the quarters defense, right? And what teams were doing once they were kind of going to more quarters. Because that's something a little bit newer over the last few years. Teams have consistently ran more and more quarters. Well, why? I talked about those, you know, Kyle Shanahan specials, those deep over routes. A lot of the teams starting to do that. So now, how do you combat that? Okay, let's go too high, run quarters. But if we're going to run quarters, that makes it suspect a little bit against the run. So what do you do? A lot of teams are getting a little bit bigger on the defensive line, and that's where Eric Armstead, a lot of us could not understand, why is Eric Armstead playing defensive end? He's not a great pass rusher. And they're probably thinking, we don't need him to be a great pass rusher. We need him to really set the edges and be that elephant in there and not be able to get pushed around or pinned down uh, when teams try to run outside. So um, it kind of took away that the, like the outside zone. They kind of went hand in hand, right? Outside zone with play action pass on deep crossers. Well, again, you have that Eric Armstead there. It helps. Now Eric Armstead, he's been full-time inside. And we see the 49ers kind of getting manhandled a little bit on the edge. No matter who they, who it is out there, getting pinned down by receivers. I would bet my bottom dollar that Eric Armstead, if he's at end, he's not getting pinned down by these little Packer receivers or these little Detroit Lions receivers or whoever the heck they put out there for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think that would be an awesome adjustment. I think I guess it's who do they put inside. And again, you're thinking more run on those downs and maybe try to get some pass rush productivity. But, hey, Javon Kinlaw, go ahead and put, play that three-tech, and we'll have Armstead outside on the early downs, and I think that might help the 49ers a little bit against the run. Whatever it is, they have to figure out early. You can't wait until halftime to get this figured out, and especially you can't wait until halfway through the fourth quarter to figure it out like you did against the Green Bay Packers. So um, th- th- that's huge for the San Francisco 49ers, no doubt. We'll show up again in our keys to victory uh, as we get ready for the game on the Friday before Super Sunday What do you think about the new head coach for the Seattle Seahawks, Croc? Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator of the best defense in the NFL this year, the Baltimore Ravens. We saw what they did against the San Francisco 49ers. They did their job for the most part against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Ravens just couldn't score more than 10 points against the Chiefs, so they didn't advance to the Super Bowl. But, man, the the Seahawks were awful quiet all offseason long, even though they needed a a head coach after they decided to move on for Pete Carroll. And it was pretty clear that this was their guy and they were just waiting for the Ravens season to be over. So they go hard after him. And once they had that face-to-face meeting, they didn't let him out of the building on Wednesday. Mike McDonald, 36 years old, becomes the new youngest head coach. Uh, Gerard Mayo had that for a couple weeks. Now it's uh, Mike McDonald, the youngest head coach in the NFL, about half the age of Pete, Pete Carroll now, going from what, 72 to 36 years old at head coach for the Seattle Seahawks. What do you think, Rock? 36 years old? Yeah. Gosh, he's my age. Well, what am I doing with my life? 
you're doing something more important. That's, That's not right. About Talk the to the faithful. You don't want to coach the stinky Seattle Seahawks squad. Interesting that they went from defensive-minded head coach to defensive-minded head coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, that might be one of those when everybody else zigs, they zag because a lot of people are going towards that hot offensive coordinator uh, candidate, you know, build a young quarterback around him. But I think in Seattle, it's been more of a philosophy, a mindset, right, of, you know, being gritty and building that team a certain way. Hey, we talked about Kyle Shanahan, and I think he's got to build this team that way, more like defense first, like a defensive-minded team. Uh, defense isn't leading this year, uh, like we're used to seeing. But I think just having that mindset, maybe that's what's going on there. But a lot of talented players – can you get them to really kind of just buy in, get a fresh voice in there? You still have Pete Carroll involved. Um, do they go and get a quarterback or, you know, and just use Geno as a, a bridge? I'm not sure exactly what to do there, but uh, I, I think it, it was just interesting to hear defensive-minded head coach. Uh, but he did do an office, awesome job over in Baltimore. You can see them drafting Penix from Washington there right in their backyard at quarterback in the draft. Maybe they're moving around. Maybe they try to go up and make a huge move to go get a quarterback of the future there and uh, allow Geno Smith to be a stopgap. But uh, rumors are that Mike McDonald might be bringing Ravens quarterback coach, a familiar name in Croc, T. Martin, former University of Tennessee volunteer. T. Martin's quarterback's coach, and uh, he might be coming over with him to be the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks as well. So uh, bringing both the offense and defensive schemes with them potentially from the Baltimore Ravens, which is interesting. Also, Mike McDonald, and I and I had to look it up because I thought so, but he he's been in the Harbaugh family for a while. Yeah, uh, this is a guy defensive coordinator at Michigan. Yeah, I mean, but even even before this, all right, you kind of go back since 2014. He has been with either Michigan or Baltimore, and most years Baltimore. I mean, he was uh, an intern. In Baltimore, 2014, 2015-16 defensive assistant, uh, 2017 defensive back coach, 2018 through 2020 linebacker coach for Baltimore, and then he went to Michigan, was defensive coordinator, did a great job, and we see Michigan. There, there's hasn't been a drop off with their defense from year to year. Then he goes back to Baltimore, does a great job over two years as their defensive coordinator, and then now he gets a head coaching job. So, uh, if you want, kind of maybe. Someone that the Harbaugh's have been able to put their fingerprints on, and maybe maybe John is starting to have his own little coaching tree. I think it's a good start with McDonald. The Ravens getting pillaged too. They might lose T. Martin to go with Mike McDonald, and then their assistant GM is going with Jim Harbaugh over to the Chargers as well. I believe to be the GM with Harbaugh. So um, interesting. It's hard, man. It's hard to stay on top. You keep getting poached. 49ers getting poached. It looks like they're not going to lose out. Not yet. There still needs to be some more hires. I don't know what Adam Peters has got going on. Ben Johnson decides to stay with the Detroit Lions. That one kind of shook me. I was surprised by that. Um, Adam Peters got hired early. They had one of the, the, the earliest open jobs. And it's the only team that doesn't have a head coach left. And all the candidates have been hired up, Croc. Like, I think they were waiting for Ben Johnson and Ben Johnson turned him down late. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, who's Adam Peters going to hire to be his head coach? I mean, he's got some huge decisions to be made. Yeah. uh, Washington's in trouble. I think we talked about it as if it was a foregone conclusion that Ben Johnson would take over that job. And he said, "Mm, I'm going to stay here another year. Now there've been some wild stuff out there where people think that, uh, you know, the head coach should be fired because of, you know, telling this team to go for it on those certain downs. I'm like, nah, th- 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 no, no, no. Like, he's, he's done a terrific job. 
gone farther than they have in anybody's lifetimes. Uh, there's <laughs> no way Dan Campbell's on the, on the hot seat. And you're not going to tie yourself to someone on the hot seat anyway, because that nah. means the rest of the staff's going to lose their job too. So that's definitely not part of it at all. Um, and uh, Bobby Slowick as well, going back to Houston. So he's not going to be the head coach for the Washington Commanders either. They haven't even they haven't even uh, interviewed Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel. So they might have to go back to the drawing board with some of their interviews. I think it's Dan Quinn and Aaron Glenn are like the the second interviews they've they've had so far. And if they didn't hire any of them today, then I think that tells you what they think about those candidates. So uh, yeah, uh, interesting for Adam Peters. He's finding the job maybe a little bit more difficult than he thought. He's like, oh, great. What an awesome offseason of head coach candidates. And now he's sitting there in February going like, wait a second, what, what just happened? Is, is there a way to just have like an intern coach to start the year? Yeah, just have like a, have a, just a start with an interim for a year and be like, oh, let's, let's check again next year. Basically a stopgap coach. That's probably not a great way to start things off, but hey, trust the process. That's the message in Washington with uh, Josh Harris, the new owner there. He came from the 76ers, so we'll see. we got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to all the everydayers out there. We appreciate you. Thanks for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Of course, a lot more on Super Bowl 58. We're going to break this game down in every angle we can. Try to get some guests for you as well coming up uh, throughout the next week, getting ready for Super Bowl 58. Talk to you then right here, Locked On 49ers.